Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, April 2nd, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. Oh, thank God we made it through April 1st. Oh, Jesus. We'll get to that. Trust <laughs> okay. me. And my name is James Marina from Broadway Radio. And I'm on my way to a BFA's Natalie Nowak. Okay, so we're recording at the end of April 1st after Jesus Christ Superstar Live, which will be the bulk of our show. But please, for the love of all things that are good and holy, news sites, whether they are theatrical or otherwise, my own included, can we please stop with the April Fool's jokes? They're just please. It's beneath you. It's beneath us. Can we just stop? They are generally, despite how many clicks they get, despite how many favorites and retweets they get, they're not funny. They're beneath you. Please stop. And I was going to go to Antarctica to see Lion King. Oh, don't, don't get me started <laughs> on that one because that did not originate with us. Don't get me started. I was am that, not was that, pleased. Was that Disney playing a joke or somebody else? I couldn't figure it out. It was Disney's uh, UK press team. It was a legit so it was, press it was, agency. Yes. Because like major outlets picked it up. Yeah, not uh, I'm, yeah, not just us. It was not just yeah. us, but we ran it. But yeah, not a not a fan there. But right. what I am a fan of two things here, real quick. Um, today is Monday's episode. Yesterday in the feed, you will have seen this week on Broadway, which featured not only James, Michael, Peter, but also Crutchy himself, Andrew Keenan Bolger. Uh, James, anything else from that episode that people need to know before they check that out? Yeah, I mean, we we sort of uh, we had a really great discussion on Angels in America because uh, Michael, Peter, and I uh, saw it. And then we talked about Three Tall Women, uh, and we talked about Lobby Heroes. So uh, we don't want to bury the lead. We had a great discussion with Andrew, but we also had some three really good uh, sure. re- reviews in there as well. That uh, you know, three shows that got you know. Uh, six thumbs up is that three times good yeah good yeah the good on your math there one other podcast yeah very nice one other podcast thing that i want to mention if you ever listen to npr's kind of quasi game show ask me another our friend and james one of james's obsessions lena hall was the guest on ask me another last week we'll have a link to that if you want to check that out or you can find it in any of your podcast feeds there so okay guys I have a script. I have all this news. Um, I've got stuff and recommendations. We have Natalie here because she's going to do this week's theatrical schedule. But James, as the producer and head of everything Broadway Radio, you made, I think, the genius um, editorial decision here. And we're saying, screw that. We'll save it all for tomorrow because we really just have to talk about Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert because that's really the only thing that matters today, not just in the theater world, but in the world in general. Screw Passover and Easter. Sorry. Uh, The only thing that matters is Jesus Christ Superstar live. Sure. Jesus Christ Superstar live is the only thing that matters. So uh, let's go around the uh, call right now. Uh, uh, Natalie, two thumbs up, one thumb up, one yeah, thumb down. Yeah, two thumbs up. Two I loved it. Up. Yeah. Matt? I don't have enough thumbs, especially when you compare it to some of the other stuff we've been subjected to in the live musical <laughs> genre of the last half decade. And I'm going to complete the cycle by saying I, 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 they got to do this every year. So good. I yeah. loved well, it. I loved it. I loved it. Well, I said it in the first on Twitter in the first few minutes, and I said they finally found the perfect way to do a show that is not just layered with so much cheese whiz that you get sick of it 
a half an hour, 45 minutes into it. And we've talked about this before, James, that there's such a small number of shows that would both translate well from the stage to TV, but then also have enough of a cultural impact for other for, for enough people to tune in to watch it. I mean, I think things like Sound of Music in Greece definitely hit that. Hairspray, not so much. Peter Pan, not so much. But Jesus Christ Superstar is one. And I think they figured that out and they figured out the best way to do it in, a, in something that in here. Let me pull up um, our friend Adam Feldman's tweet. He had a great tweet that I think summed it up right afterwards. He said, overall, the best of the live musicals so far, a tight combination of star power, theater people know how and material. Here's the thing and material that was never quite a stage musical to begin with and makes the leap to a different medium. Well, I think that's what this really is. And I'm interested to see how they do. The next one that's been announced is, is rent on Fox uh, like 10 months from now is how they take something that is kind of a musical kind of, you know, different outside of what we normally think of as musicals and how they translate it. I think as we've talked about before, other than a few casting things that I'm sure we'll talk about, I I feel like every decision they made with this was perfect. And it starts from the first thing we saw with that set. That set was magnificent. It looked like a ruins of a cathedral with the scaffolding. The design was beautiful. The lights were beautiful. Uh, Everything about it. I don't know where you want to start, James, but I, I think this was as perfect as you can get with anything that you put on television. Well, I think the most beautiful things in life are not perfect. And uh, yeah. I loved Jesus Christ Superstar, and it was not perfect because Miss Cleo called it Alice Cooper was f***ing horrible. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I knew that we, we knew that was going to happen. I didn't think he was that bad. He wasn't good because uh, he didn't really too old. sing a whole lot. He's too yes. old for that. And he's, everything and he's else not flamboyant. Was, everything else was such a big production number, and then they had five dancers out there to do Harry. Yes. Uh, to, I mean, to do the biggest production number yes, in the whole show. Exactly. Yeah, I mean— I said this to somebody on on Twitter before Alice came out, and I said, this character is only a thinly closeted gay vaudevillian performer, and we're having Alice Cooper do it? He just didn't have the energy. He didn't have the voice. He didn't really sing a whole lot. To be honest with you, I thought he was better after he stopped singing and he did the fake mic drop and then meeting his adoring public. That was better than the song itself. Um, If we're talking about casting that we didn't like, I, I think Ben Daniels has played – did he play the part in London or whatever? I know he's a Tony nominee um, for Dangerous Liaisons, but mm, Ben Daniels is Pontius Pilate. Could have done without him too. Um, he wasn't exactly the best singer, and I, and I think that part has a lot of depth, and I don't think we got it, especially in his dream. So I could have gone with somebody else in that role. I thought they maybe could have gone with a star, and I think we talked about that too. I think they could have gotten a star of some name into the Pontius Pilate role. But other than Pontius Pilate – and King Herod, I thought the casting was great. And let's let's talk about the stars here, guys. A lot has been said about John Legend from his casting. Everyone knows him as this kind of soft, jazzy crooner. Does not have the traditional rock tenor voice that you expect Jesus to have in this show. And there were moments when I think that was fairly evident. However, for the most part, I thought he did pretty well. He didn't do a whole lot of acting, but when it's a sung through musical, as long as you sing it appropriately, that should do a majority of the acting for you. So what did you guys think about him um, just in in, in this role? Uh, James, let's start with you, because did, did you ever do Jesus Christ Superstar? I feel like you have to have yeah. done this at some point. Yeah, I've done it. I've done it a few times. Um, uh, but I, I John Legend, I think, sang it really well, but I, I wasn't I wasn't 
drawn in by him. I mean, he he really he's got um, the voice, and I really in, enjoyed hearing him. But I wasn't as drawn in as Brandon Victor Dixon. Oh my goodness, Brandon Victor Dixon! Yeah. Oh my I mean, goodness, are we gonna lose him to some other yes, media? He's gone. He's, he was he's gone. incredible. Oh, yeah, he's gone. Incredible. Natalie, what did you think of John Legend? You know, I li- I liked it, but I feel like, like you said, I could have been drawn in more. I found myself watching it and being like, I don't know that he's he's playing this role to its fullest. But I mean, I think he was good overall. I think he was better than I expected he would be. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, um, and I. I, I, I uh, I want to jump in. Uh, you talked about Ben Daniels before as Pontius Pilate. I really liked him. You didn't. I. You didn't get really. You, you didn't like that. I no, really thought he was I good. You didn't. I, I, I didn't like it at all. I, I, this is one of those things that I have on my TiVo, and it's going to be. Mm-hmm. There's going to be hell to pay if anybody deletes it off my TiVo. So. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Well, getting, getting back to the comparison between John Legend and Brandon Victor Dixon, I think that's also part of the way the show is written. To sure. me, yeah. this show is about Judas's journey, and that's why it ends when Jesus dies and not with the resurrection. Um, so I think that's part of it. For example, James, who played Judas in the original Broadway production of Jesus Christ Superstar? Uh, in the original Broadway production? Yes. Oh, this isn't going well for me. I, I thought you would know this. <laughs> no, I'm totally blank on who. In it, uh, it was it was Ben Vereen. Ben oh, Vereen that's played right. Judas. Oh, that's right. In fact, we talked with Ben Vereen about this on this week on Broadway. Mm-hmm. I totally zoned on it. Yeah, and and somebody named Jeff Fenholt played Jesus. I have no <laughs> idea who that is. That, that's my point. Yeah, and then you've got you know I think people know Ted Neely from the movie, um, and and then Carl oh, Anderson from I the was movie. Go- and I kept on going to Carl for that that Broadway answer, and I was like, no, 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 Carl didn't yeah. do it on Broadway. No, but I did see him and Ted Neely on tour back in like '97. But I think that you know the kind of the way the show is structured allows Judas to be such a star because he's got the emotional journey. He has the, the, the character development. He also has the songs to go with it. So to me, Brandon Victor Dixon showed what a true theater star can do in a a show like this. So often we've seen some of these bigger roles go to non-theater people. And heck, I was somebody advocating, for um, um, what's his name? Um, um, Adam, uh, Adam Lambert. And granted, he has mm. he was an understudy Fierro on tour. So he's a theater guy, too. But I think they could not have done it better than casting Brandon Victor Dixon. And if that means that he is now going to go off and be the star of a bunch of movies and TV shows, good for him because he deserves it. Um, all the stuff that he's done on stage throughout the years, two time Tony nominee. Um, he is a, a very special talent. But that leaves the, the third star here is Sarah Bareilles. Somebody who, until she joined the Broadway musical that she wrote herself, really didn't do a ton of acting. Um, You know, her part, the music kind of fit her voice really well. I thought she sounded great. There's not a ton to it. But I thought she was really captivating in the role, in a a role that I normally, if I'm listening to the cast recording or the soundtrack from the movie, I kind of skip her songs. But I really enjoyed it. I thought she was great. Natalie, what do you think? Yeah, I thought so, too. I was impressed. Uh, I I really like Sarah Bareilles. I thought that she it possibly could be the best Mary I've ever seen. Wow, 
That's good. And, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Yvonne Elliman, it, who played her uh, on Broadway and in the movie, she was known as a pop singer. You know, she wasn't necessarily a, a theater person. So to see her, that was her only Broadway credit. Of course, she, you know, if I can't have you from the um, Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, people know her as a pop singer. And to see Sarah Borella's kind of slip into that role makes a ton of sense. Um, let's hit some of these other theater people in here. Um Norm Lewis rocking the cornrows. Love me some Norm Lewis. I love have, Norm Lewis. Yeah, Norm Lewis is the best. He didn't have necessarily those deep, you know, super deep notes that Caiaphas normally does, but dude rocked his baritone. Like, and, and he sounded really good. Jin Ha as Annis as well, who's the recent star of um, uh, M. Butterfly. Really good there. We had Jason Tam as Peter. Really good. Um, I, you know, I, I thought everybody equated themselves well, and it was so nice to see some of these featured parts go to theater folk. Yeah, Norm Lewis really uh, was really great. And I said, I said to my wife, I was like, uh, you know him from Scandal? Remember him? Remember him from Scandal? Exactly. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Senator, and, Senator, what's his face? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, and I thought that uh, Jin Ha as Anis really, uh, mm-hmm. you know, took a small role and was like every time he was on the screen, it was like, wow, that voice. So, so good. Uh, and yeah. Jason Tam, also the uh, the three denial scene with, with the uh, with Mary Magdalene, I thought was very good as well. It, and and I swear the second guy that that. Peter denied mm-hmm. Jesus too. I swear that was Adam Feldman. I, I tweeted this. I, 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 swear- I, I, the guy with the mustache. I thought that was, yes. I was like, I know, I know Adam's voice really well. In fact, uh, yes. so I, and I was like, that really looks like Adam, but it certainly was not. Did something. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Robbie, uh, our friend, Robbie Rizel's uh, partner, Lynn tweeted. And he said, I said the exact same thing. I was like, okay, as long as I'm not the only one who saw the, uh, the, the facial similarity there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I thought, I, like I said, I thought the casting was great. The ensemble was fantastic. And Camille A. Brown, who was the choreographer who also choreographed wow. once on this Island. I mean, just give her the damn Emmy now for, I love, I, you, I've talked about it. I love, so you think you can dance. And obviously people still watch dancing with the stars for some reason, but I'm sorry. No one from that show is going to win an Emmy because the Emmy for choreography is going to Camille A. Brown because that was great use of that ensemble, great use of that massive stage and that massive space. I thought that was one of the best things of the whole night for me. And Natalie, you're a, you're a musical theater student now who I'm sure yeah. you're getting put through your paces on a choreography standpoint uh over times and you've got a background in dance what did you think about the uh uh, about the movement and choreography i thought it was so great it really fit the mood and i loved it and i also love just like being a broadway fan and being able to pick out people from the ensemble like christine dwyer and kyle taylor parker and then joey taranto from kinky boots i was like oh my gosh there are all these people that i've you know Mm -hmm. seen and looked up to so it's really cool yeah, I, I I saw Lauren Zacharin, who I saw in Cruel Intentions just eight days ago. Um, and she was pulling double duty in that and rehearsals. So I thought that was great. Let's let's talk about like the set and the lighting here. I, I thought, like I said, I thought the whole thing was stunning from the beginning. But man, that ascension scene at the very end when John Legend is on the cross and they start raising the cross. I was like, oh, that's cool. They're going to take yeah. him up in a way. That's very nice. And then the, the back wall back. starts to separate and creates another cross. And there's this huge blinding light behind it. And he kind of fades 
fades back into the light until it fades and you've got a cross inside the cross. I, I mean, that was, uh, in my opinion, just beautiful and spectacular. Uh, what did you guys think? Did you have any things that, standed, uh, that stood out to you in terms of the design, whether it was the lighting, the sets, the, the I don't know, anything else, the costumes? James? The um, that I'm glad you brought up the cross because I was going to bring that up as well, and you covered that. So, uh, kudos to the design team. Wow, I mean the, the the you know lighting working together, and we should talk about. I did not see one sound problem. Did you see any sound problems? The only thing that I will say in terms of a sound problem, and I have maybe two things. One is I thought there were times when the audience was a little too loud. Um, I, yeah. I think that audience okay. was very, very that. happy to be there. Um, and I thought that drowned it out. And I thought that there was a little bit of times when the vocals were a little swallowed and a little echoey because it is such a huge space. The other thing that I, I didn't notice, but it was pointed out by um, Lauren Molina from the skivvies and desperate measures, which we're not going to talk about today. We'll talk about desperate measures tomorrow, but um, she went to the dress rehearsal and she mentioned on Twitter that when Judas committed suicide, they saw the ladder get kicked like we saw on TV. But then last night you heard him struggling to breathe. So you heard him hanging himself and whether that was um, struggling to breathe and gasping for air and all that stuff. We did not hear that on TV tonight. She said, I don't know if that was a mistake or they decided it was too much and they decided to cut it. I hope they decided to cut it because I would really hate if they intended for everybody to hear that. And they didn't because I think that would have added something to the scene, but I can understand why they would have chose to cut that out and might have been a little bit too much for people. And to, and, and to have the orchestra on and off stage and uh, be part of the thing, I, was, and I, I just thought it was great and the camera work was great. And, uh, and they used our idea about the XY cam. Yeah, that with the did the you overhead. think they did? I didn't see it ever. Yeah, the oh the, the overhead X Y camera. NFL they did it. Thing. They did it in the uh, they did it in the market scene. Uh, uh, they yeah, did the an temple. overhead. Yeah. They did the temple uh, overhead shot when everybody's uh, everybody's going to Jesus, um, and he's being yeah. surrounded and crushed by everybody. Uh, and and they had a lot of. Uh, uh, they had a lot of 360 shooting where they would start in one point and make a circle. And the only way they could do that is with an overhead camera. They, the, cool. it, with the speed that they went about and did it, they, yeah. it yeah. wasn't so, somebody with a steady cam. Yeah. Uh, so, so you oh, mentioned, you mentioned the band and I do think we need to give a shout out. I believe um, one that I believe it was an all female string section, which was very cool. And two, um, I, some people, especially Broadway folks, might have recognized that guitarist who got the solos at the beginning and then after what would have been the intermission at, at the or, or, I'm sorry, at the beginning of Damn for All Time and Blood Money. Um, that was one of the original cast members of School of Rock, the musical on Broadway, also, of course, written by Andrew Lloyd Webber. And he got a nice little bow at the middle of the of the curtain call. So the band really killed it. The band was fantastic. Um, so I, I think that's definitely something not only did we see 
some diversity of both color and gender and shape in the band. We saw it on stage, which I think is a huge kudos. That's something that normally befits this show. And I'm glad that they translated that um, to the screen as well. But we've talked about all these great things and maybe a couple things in casting and sound that we had issues with. Was there anything else that stood out to you guys as something that could have been improved from this production? Um, <laughs> that good. I, Nobody has anything. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. You know, I really, I, I think that the Alice Cooper thing was a huge miss, and we talked yeah. about that already. We talked about that already, but um, uh, I, I don't know if if there is anything. I think the direction was phenomenal. I think the the design from all aspects was really, really top notch. Couldn't be better. Concepts were good. Uh, you know, I can't ask for a, a better night of live performance than what we than what we saw tonight. It was just I'm just over the moon about it. I I love it, and I think it represented Broadway really well. And people that aren't typical Broadway people, uh, you know, think that Broadway is you know something out of the '50s might uh, be excited <laughs> well, to see something here. Yeah, this was out of the early 70s, and I think yeah. that showed. It was, I mean, let's be honest, Jesus Christ Superstar is weird. Um, it's very weird. It's untraditional. But I, I do think I appreciated the weirdness a lot in this. Um, Natalie, was there anything that stood out to you that was something that could have been improved? No, I mean, just the just Alice Cooper. I was a little confused because, like you said before, he came out and he was kind of kind of rapping, kind of talking. And I was like, is this supposed <laughs> to be sung? Music, Do I just not know this song? Like, so yeah, I think that was a, he doesn't know the territory. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sad reference there. Um, the only thing that I would say, and we've talked about this before in previous years, James, the commercials still bother me. And mm -hmm. I love the fact that they did have not only just a small audience like they did with Greece and hairspray in different spots. I loved the staging of this. So we had an audience. We had applause. We had all this. If they let them applaud after every song, they didn't muzzle them um, for any reason. But we still had to deal with the starting and stopping that comes with commercials. I don't know if it's actually financially feasible to take the soccer model and put a, a little bug in the corner of the screen for an advertiser or maybe something, a bar at the bottom, a scroll at the bottom. Um, but that would be my only concern is that I would I, I wish that we could do it like a stage show and and let it go throughout, maybe have an intermission break, maybe a quarter break, you know, maybe set it up into four acts or something so that there could be a couple commercials, the rest of it be done with some sort of omnipresent sponsorship. I watch enough sports to know that that stuff happens all the time and you don't even really notice it. Um, so I, that would be something that I wish they could experiment with. Obviously, they would have to experiment with it before it actually goes on the air. But it's something that I, I think would really improve the flow of it. Um, I don't know if it would work financially, but that is something that I think they've improved on a lot of different things over the few years and including especially with this one. But uh, that's the one that still kind of feels like a bugaboo to me. You know, um, I, I can't honestly say that that. I had that issue. I started a half an hour late on TiVo and just fast forward ah, through everything. Yeah, yeah, you you fixed that then, yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know that's not the perfect answer. But maybe the perfect answer is, uh, you know, when Broadway HD becomes as large as Netflix, or maybe Broadway HD gets acquired by Netflix, 
that this will happen or, you know, um, well, or, you know, I was thinking that also if they do another show, they could, you know, HBO could do, uh, hair, you know, certainly we couldn't do hair on network television, (laughs) but we could do HBO. (laughs) Uh, Oh man, please don't do hair. Please don't. Oh man, I hate hair so much. <laughs> I like the music. The show itself is just nonsensical. But the one thing about not having, not watching it live like you did, James, and I don't know, Natalie, I saw you tweeting a little bit. Following mm. along with Broadway Twitter during this yeah. thing was magnificent. <laughs> I have no yeah. idea. I have no idea what non Broadway Twitter was doing at this point. And honestly, I do not care. Um, but I Broadway Twitter was over the moon for this one. And that's unusual because. Going back to Peter Pan and what was the one? Oh, was uh, it Sound Wiz? Yeah, Wiz. Sound, well, yeah, I don't Wiz. really remember Sound of Music, but um, but Peter Pan and the Wiz, those were a little more snarky. Not a ton mm-hmm. of snark tonight. And that was a lot of fun. Natalie, were you on Twitter a lot? I saw you tweeting. I a was. Bit. I was. Yeah, it was just fun to see what everyone was saying. Like, it was great. Yeah, and I, I do want to say I, one thing at the very end that I'm not sure how many people in our audience noticed when Brandon Victor Dixon, and I tweeted this out immediately, and I've seen a bunch of other people take some screenshots. When Brandon Victor Dixon did his curtain call, if you notice at the end, he put his arms over his chest in an X. That is the Wakanda salute from Black Panther. So um, that's kind of become a rallying point um, for a lot of African-Americans, and especially African-American performers. You've seen it at a lot of award shows over the years. Um, so so Wakanda forever. Um, very cool for him to, to give that shout out. And uh, um, so that was very neat. But overall, I, I'm so excited about this. I'm excited because Mark Platt helped produce this one for NBC. He will be one of the producers and hopefully nepotistically casting his son as Mark and mm-hmm. rent um, in January of next year. So I ben. hope that they take some of the th- Ben. What did I say? Mark. He's going to cast himself. He, he, yeah, no, he's not casting himself as, as, oh no, casting his cell, his son Ben as Mark, as Mark is what I meant yeah. as Mark Cohen. Yeah, he did cast his son Jonah. Jonah Platt was in the ensemble of Jesus Christ Superstar uh, Live. But I hope that they take some of the lessons learned from this and translate those into Rent because I think Rent really, be, you know, lends itself to this kind of presentation. Obviously, it's not the same type of rock show, but it doesn't need the different sets. It doesn't need the, you know, all of the fancy stuff that they did with Greece. Just put it on a stage and let it be the stage show that it always was. So um, homework for folks of you who did not follow along on Twitter you need to uh, go read Tim Fetterly's uh, tweets. That's so good. Tim I think Fetterly. I retweeted about half of them. Hysterical. It just out, yes. of, out of control, hysterical, not to mention what was my favorite one in here. It was like, always bet on the theater kids. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. And I wrote one down too. I wrote, I wrote down another one, and I don't know that this could actually ever happen, but he tweeted – Hey, NBC, how about next year for Easter we do Godspell Live with Sarah Bareilles' Jesus? I'm all for it. I've directed a production of of Godspell with a female Jesus. It works. It still holds up. Put her in a Wonder Woman shirt. It works. Um, So I I don't think they'll do it, but I've heard worse ideas. (laughs) So, uh, well, we have chatted about this uh, for 27 minutes so uh maybe we 
just uh let's uh is there anything that we re- that really happened big that we should mention before we head on to uh this week's schedule nothing that wasn't an april fool's joke all right so natalie why don't you give us this week's theatrical schedule All right. Well, first up, the Broadway production St. Joan begins previews at Manhattan Theater Club on Tuesday. Set in 15th century France, St. Joan follows a country girl whose mysterious visions propel her into elite circles. When the nation's rulers become threatened by her popularity and influence, they unite to bring her down and she finds herself on trial for her life. Three-time Tony Award nominee Condola Rashad leads the cast. St. Joan is set to open on April 25th. Roundabout Theatre Company's off-Broadway production and New York premiere Bobby Clearly opens on Tuesday. Bobby killed Casey in the middle of a cornfield in Milton, Nebraska. Two years later, Milton's residents are ready to tell you their sides of the story in this comedy about a tragedy. Bobby Clearly will run through May 6th. 59 East 59 Theater's The Edge of Our Bodies opens on Wednesday. This story follows 16-year-old Bernadette, an aspiring young short story writer, as she journeys through New York City and teeters on the verge of adulthood. The Edge of Our Bodies will run through April 22nd. Theater for the New City's The Confession of Lily Dare opens on Wednesday. This show tells the story of one woman's tumultuous passage from convent girl to glittering cabaret chanteuse to infamous madam of a string of brothels. Charles Bush is both the writer and star of this production, and it will run through April 29th. Transfers begins previews at MCC Theater on Thursday. After two years at a local community college, two gifted students from the South Bronx are competing for a life-changing scholarship at an elite university. During a campus visit, the young men are unexpectedly confronted with their shared past. Transfers will officially open on April 23rd. The Doppelganger begins previews on Thursday at Steppenwolf in Chicago. It's an international farce about a wealthy British businessman who suffers an untimely accident just before a critical African copper deal is signed. When his unwitting American doppelganger is thrust into negotiations, chaos erupts. The cast is led by Rain Wilson, who is best known for his hilarious role as Dwight on The Office. The doppelganger will open on April 15th. The original Broadway production Mean Girls opens on Sunday at the August Wilson Theater. Casey Nicola directs and choreographs this production. Taylor Louderman from Broadway's Kinky Boots is Queen Bee Regina George with Ashley Park from The King and I and Kate Rockwell from Bring It On as her fellow plastics, Gretchen Wieners and Karen Smith. Erica Henningsen is playing the central role of Katie Heron. Now let's talk about what's closing this week. The public theater's The Low Road will close on Sunday. The off-Broadway production Cruel Intentions, the 90s musical experience, will close on Sunday. And lastly, New York City Center's Party Face will close on Sunday. And that's all for this week. All right. I found uh, one of my favorite Tim Federley quotes, uh, tweets from tonight. It said, uh, if you watch uh, hashtag Jesus Christ Superstar live on mute, John Legend and Sarah Bareilles look like a couple at Restoration Hardware arguing over which table to buy. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I always forget Instagram. I got to love the Instagram folks, too, at BWWMATT. And subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Jen and I recorded over the weekend, so I'll have that out in two or three weeks whenever I have time to edit it. <laughs> Natalie, where can people find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Natalie underscore Noack. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your Monday with us. I'm sorry to say that if you're in the New York City area, you'll be waking up to a little bit of snow. But uh, it'll go away soon, and we're going to have spring. And we'll talk to you soon. Maybe.
It'll only snow if you come back to New York. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry about that. <laughs>